listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Welcome back to another edition of Faith Stories. My name is Anne-Marie Shambaugh, and today I am joined by Joe Clough. He has been here at Faith Church since 2007 when he married into the Faith family, when he married Kim Beek. They have two kids, and they are missionaries in Kenya, but are back here for the summer. So welcome, Joe. Thank you very much. Good to have you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you grew up, how you came to Christ, all the basics. Um, I was blessed to be born in a very strong Christian family in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and in those days, of course, we uh, judged our faith largely by church attendance. So I was there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, uh, youth group lock-ins, all of those things. Um, and uh, after, in my teenage years, I kind of went through your standard low-key teenage rebellion thing and wanted to live my life the way I wanted to live it. Uh, went off to college, university at Ohio State, a very secular place. But over that time period, particularly in university, uh, God was slowing, slowly waking me up and making the faith that I'd received from my parents my own. After university, I, um, a few months after I graduated, I went on a short-term trip to Haiti, just like 10 days, and thought, wow, I, I want to do something full-time for God with my life. And so I went off to seminary because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. um, my plan at that time was to get a, a doctorate eventually and then teach at a secular university but be very active in campus ministry. Toward the end of my seminary time, um, some beloved friends of mine who were going to the mission field with an organization called CMF gave my name to the recruiter. And I figured, hey, it's a free lunch. I'm a poor seminary student. Might as well go. The recruiter met with me. And uh, he said, well, we have some work, some need for uh, some short-term work in Indonesia. And I thought, oh, that's too hot. And because I told him I just wanted short-term, which in those days was anything less than two years, because I then wanted to go on and get my PhD. And after that, he said, well, what about Thailand? We've got work in Thailand. And I thought, oh, that's still too hot. And then he said, well, what about Mexico City? There's a university uh, campus house there. And I thought, well, yeah, Mexico City's not too hot. It's up on a plateau. And then after that, he said, we also have some work in Kenya with the Maasai, uh, starting some youth programs there. And I said, sure. You know, it never occurred to me that it might be warm on the equator in Africa. Maybe, but yeah, maybe. Just a little, <laughs> but it, God and his great mercy uh, sent me to a place that also has a high elevation. And so the, the heat is not bad at all there. And um, I went there, fell in love with the place, the people, the work. And I've been there ever since for going on, well, it's been 24 years now since I first arrived. Yeah, so it's not as hot as you feared it might be. Right. What are some other ways that Kenya is perhaps different than life here in the States? Well, uh, it's interesting. Before the pandemic, I would have uh, had a fairly long laundry list. But one of the key things that 
we've, I've seen that America under a pandemic is more like Kenya is our inability to really plan because we don't know what's going to happen. As I walk around here in America trying to make plans, I just kind of feel like uh, I'm a little bit back in Africa where I'm kind of going with the flow. And one thing that um, I've always done in Kenya is I've always tried to say, I will do this Lord willing and meant that sincerely. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm here in America and we do not know what's going to happen with a lockdown next week, I'm back to saying that sincerely, Lord willing, I would do this, that, and the other. And so that aspect has, has been kind of cool for me to witness, even though it's really stressful, because when you come back to America, you really want that veneer of civilization and being in control that we've always had, except for right now. Right. Yes, that whole Lord willing takes on a whole <laughs> yeah. deeper meaning right now. We right. really mean it. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So what does your ministry in Kenya look like? Yes. Um, I've had a number of different roles through the years. Uh, I've done the uh, administrative functions for our team. I've uh, helped establish some youth programs. For many years, I was involved in and solidifying the denominational structures for all of the churches we work with. There are about 300 congregations. And, but now, for the last uh, five years, four or five years, I've been focusing on what's called DMM, disciple-making uh, movements. And our, our focus is to catalyze disciple-making movements in Kenya broadly, wherever the Spirit is working. So I spend time in prayer, I um, go and do trainings, and then I do follow-up trainings. Um, and it's really been fascinating for me to kind of try to figure out what all of this is. Because we start with, what did Jesus do in the Gospels? And we say, okay, well, let's try that. Because Jesus said, the things that I've done, greater things will you do. That's John 14. So let's try it. And that's what we do. That's what my primary focus is right now. We have a number of churches and leaders that I work with. Actually, I tend to focus on people within those churches who, whom the Lord is leading to reach their neighbors for Christ and make disciples. We train, we, we equip them, we then do follow-up with them and more follow-up and coaching with them in the hopes that uh, we will see a movement of the Spirit and many people come to faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now you've been a missionary for 24 years, mm -hmm. and yet you say, you know, you're still learning to trust. You know, mm -hmm. we, we would think maybe you've got it figured out by now, but what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I haven't figured it out. I'm not ready to write the book. Um, yeah, as I said, I, I spent about 11 years really uh, prior to this, focusing on uh, helping develop the denominational structures that the churches we work with need in order to uh, be legitimized in the culture and interact with uh, the government and other outsiders, meet government requirements and such. And uh, throughout all of that time period, of course, we prayed at the beginning of every meeting and before every initiative and what have you. But sadly, one thing, maybe it's just me, I don't think it is though. 
one thing that I, I see for many of us who are full-time Christian workers is that much of our work is focused on the maintenance of Christian institutions and we often draw on our own prudential judgment and on management techniques that are well known in the secular realm we don't so much draw on what the Lord would want at least I didn't so that's been something that I've really had to make a shift with in all of this is that now that I'm focused on disciple making and disciple making movements it's not about me and my plans God's in control of this and that's been that's been a really cool journey for the last four or five years yeah do you have any sort of examples of how you've been able to rely on God and, and his plan instead of maybe what you thought was a good plan yeah I uh, four years ago I restarted uh, discipline of prayer and fasting taking one day a week and spending that in prayer and fasting I let that go for a number of years uh, for no real good reasons I mean I justify it by saying well I had small children I could pray or I could get you know a little bit more sleep or go to the bathroom yada yada no um, it was my own sloth so I restarted that discipline and about a month after I was in my office fasting and praying and I asked the Lord I said what do you want me to do and I waited and listened and I heard repent I wasn't fully expecting to hear you know but it was kind of like <laughs> it was kind of on the right hemisphere of my brain I don't know why but <laughs> boom repent there it was very okay. clear very clear yeah and and I stopped and I said okay Lord uh, please tell me what you want me to repent of and I will do it and I sat and I waited and I heard nothing so I got on uh, opened my laptop got on Bible Gateway typed in repent repentance and just read through every scripture that where the Bible talks about that and <laughs> I'm reading through this and just laughing at myself which I do frequently because you read the scriptures on what the Word of God says about repentance and it's a really good thing it's like God wants me to make it a lifestyle or something hmm. so that was the first thing I thought okay all right I'm gonna do this and so that's become my practice um, on my weekly prayer and fasting days as I start the morning off usually you know there's a song that I play you know um, to kind of get my mind and soul in the mood mm -hmm. and um, and then I ask the Spirit to say, okay, show me what I need to repent of. And we go from there. Now, this learning to walk and trust the Lord after all these years uh, continued, at least the Lord's instruction of me. And, and I hope and pray that it will continue until um, I go home to be with the Lord. But shortly thereafter, about a month after that, I was thinking okay how do I start this disciple making movement stuff and mm -hmm. there was a uh, there's a guard on our compound we live on a cul-de-sac and in many places in the developing world you have it's gated okay. and so there were um, uh, there's this guard that was employed there in our little neighborhood whose job was to simply open and shut the gate all day long 
he and I had talked. I knew he possessed some faith. Uh, he did go to church fairly regularly. I also saw that he um, was very networked with all of the working class Kenyan laborers that were around. Uh, they were always uh, house cleaners and, and gardeners who would stop and chat with him for a while. So I'm watching this guy, um, noting that he's only 50 yards from my front door, thinking how can I start disciple-making movements? And of course, in my prudential judgment, I said, he's the one. So I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm going to go talk to him and see if we can get something going here. Maybe he'll be the one that I can start training. Seems so, to make sense. It makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I, um, I prayed and I said, okay, Lord, uh, please go with me, guide what I say so that I can give you honor in going and training this man. Walked out my front door, walked toward him. I was about 10 yards away from him at the time and I hear this no in my mind, my soul. And I, it was kind of an awkward thing. I, I, I don't know that I flinched when I heard it, but it was very clear. And so I'm walking right at this guy and I hear no. And, and, and I, in the moment I kind of did that awkward parking lot wave, you know. <laughs> Right. When, I, when I'm merely 10 yards away from him, walking straight toward him, I noted that he was looking at me kind of like this as I did so. <laughs> you white people are so weird. <laughs> Thankfully, my car was just off to the left, so I did the polite, awkward parking lot wave and veered off to my car. I've had a lot of those in my life. Yeah. The awkward waves, yeah. Awkward waves, yeah. <laughs> kind of, it's sort of a queen wave, but yes. not as smooth. <laughs> and got into my car, pretended like I needed something out of the glove box, and then prayed, Lord, what was that? Mm. You know, I, I, I was ready. I mean, I was going to try to help make him a disciple who would make other disciples. Isn't this your will, Lord? And after I reflected on it a bit, I realized that not, I really wasn't his will. It was my will. It was what I was going to do for him. Mm -hmm. And that's not following the spirit. That's doing what I want to do, which is, is regardless of the intentions, um, is not consistent with labeling Jesus my Lord and Master. Even when it's a good, seemingly Even good thing. Even when it's a good thing. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, we have that old saying that the, the road to hell is paid with good intentions. And so, um, so I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. And I repented of that um, and, and tried to do a course correction. A couple of months later, a friend of mine, a uh, Kenyan pastor by the name of Daniel, uh, came to me and he said, Joe, we're, it's coming up on Christmas and we're going to try to do uh, kind of a crusade thing at my home area, which is about seven hours away from Nairobi. And we would like you to come and do some training on making disciples. Would you be willing to do so? Having learned my lesson with the guard, mm -hmm. I said, well, let me pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I prayed about it. And I, I didn't hear a no. I really didn't hear a yes either. It was just kind of a silence with a, in my soul saying, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna trust you that you're not saying no. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me try this 
And if you do say no at any point, make it so that I can hear because you're in charge. So we went up to Pastor Daniel's home area with a group of youth uh, from his home church and they did worship times uh, in the community. We did door-to-door -door evangelism and I, I did a training on making disciples, meeting in a small mud and wattle school classroom there with some beautiful people. There were maybe 30 of us total. Um, as I was doing the training, um, you know, as an experienced teacher, you kind of get a sense of who's with you and who's not, and who's getting it, who's not. And so there were a couple in the group where I kind of pegged and said, okay, she's getting it, and, mm -hmm. and he might be a good one as well, and, and like that. So after that time period was over, before we returned to Nairobi, I met with Daniel because that was his home area. And I said, Daniel, I need to come back probably in about six weeks given my schedule and do a follow-up with those who, who look like they're getting it and see if we can get something going here. So we agreed about that. About a month later, I was at home in Nairobi and Daniel came and visited me. And he handed me a, note, a loose sleep notebook. Um, it's fairly thick. And I said, what's this? And he said, well, these are the three column Bible studies that you trained the people how to do. And I said, well, what do you mean? What's, what is this? I mean, what happened? And he said, well, after you did the training, Relius began to uh, start a Bible study at her home and at a neighboring village as well. And I said, who's Relius? Mm -hmm. He said, well, you remember, Relia, she was the one who was cooking chai outside. She was the cook. And, and I'm looking at him. I'm trying to picture. Well, he's, oh, she was that lady who spent most of her time outside the classroom, occasionally would stick her head in the window and listen and watch, and then go back to cooking chai. Okay, Lord. Wow, so she wasn't even officially part of the class. No, I never would, <laughs> I never would have chosen her. I wow. Mean, some, some mama I, I didn't even greet when I was there. But, you know, it, Jesus says in John 6, he said, no one comes to me except the Lord draw him. Mm. Who's the one doing the work there? The Lord is. Mm -hmm. He's already got the people. He's already drawing them. We need to find out who he's drawing to the son. So I'm learning to trust. I'm still learning, uh, but I thank God he's given me some powerful lessons that hopefully are beginning to change my worldview and put it more into something that's in line with his will. Yes, that's a very powerful story, and you never know how God's working when we're mm -hmm. faithfully trusting him and following him, and that's just really cool that it turned out that way and, and where you least expected it. Yeah. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about fasting, mm -hmm. and that's something, you know, I think a lot of people— um, maybe have thought about, maybe have tried, but what does that look like for you? How do you make that work in your life? Yeah. The first thing I need to say about all of that is that when we endeavor to pray, we pray as we can, not as we can't. The cool thing about that is as we do that, we learn that we can pray more and more. So I, um, in my current season of life, uh, I tend to pray, 
fast and pray one day a week, mm -hmm. uh, usually on Thursdays in my case when I'm able. Um, and in my case, I do what ironically we call Ramadan fast. You know, I, I, I eat the night before and then I don't eat anything until the following evening. The reason for that is because I've got two young kids in my home mm -hmm. and, and the evening meal time is, is kind of sacred mm -hmm. to me to be with them. Um, and uh, there are a number, uh, there's a whole section of Christian literature talking about fasting and a lot of it has some great advice. Um, a couple of other things, of course, we need to acknowledge that before anyone in, embarks on prayer and fasting, particularly if they're taking any medication or, or anything, they need to talk with their healthcare provider about mm -hmm. that. Um, then the other things you just learn as you go, um, you know, my, for example, I, I know that during the cold season, I'm going to be really cold when I'm fasting because your, your metabolism slows down. Mm -hmm. So I always make sure I have a jacket on those days. Um, bad breath, yeah, it's there. You know, you're going to have that too, but that's all okay. Mm -hmm. The goal is to, to put yourself in a posture where God can begin to change you. It's going to be slow. It is a discipline. And, and that's something that... Uh, is a challenge for all of us Americans because we want, a, myself, I want a quick fix, I want it done now, and no, this is a, a long, uh, slow obedience, um, or as, as the title of a book once said, it's a long obedience in the same direction. Hmm. Okay. And yes, prayer, kind of the same question, you know, I think that's something that as Christians, we probably all do or say we do, mm -hmm. but how do you make that into a discipline and, and something that's really something powerful in your life? Yeah. Um, you really have to know yourself or try different things until you figure out what works for you on the individual level. Uh, for example, some people, they think and process through writing. And so for them, I would say, hey, start a prayer journal, you know, use that part of you that God created to bring yourself closer to him. Um, for other people, it's going to, going to have different flavors. So in my current right now situation, uh, we're in a pandemic. My kids are at home 24 seven. Uh, we're doing online school because of the pandemic. Um, so it's really hard for me to break away for a full day and, and um, take time to pray and fast because you know, my kids need help with stuff, you know. So what I've decided is that in my case, I'm continuing the hunger discipline of fasting. I'm not eating on that day. Uh, but I'm, I know just because of the situation, I'm not going to have the full-on time and concentrated prayer that I usually would. So I, it's kind of a compromise situation during the season. I go hungry on that day to maintain that aspect of the discipline. And then I shift more toward a, a Brother Lawrence E.N. Uh, uh, prayer of, you know, oh Lord of pots and pans as I'm doing the dishes. It's just kind of uh, what I think a, a lot of parents of young children would understand. Yes. You, you, you get the snippets of prayer in, even, and, it, and I, I feel the, the, the lack of the concentrated prayer, um, but I, I believe that the Lord is in this season. I believe that Aslan is on the move. And so I'm willing to, 
to accept this uh, hardship or lack in my spiritual life for this time and just say, okay, Lord, once we get pa past this pandemic, you know, please let me reestablish that. Let me also add, uh, I mentioned that this from an individual perspective, this is where we start. Mm -hmm. However, I also strongly believe that we need to, as churches in the broader body of Christ in America, we need to find ways of mobilizing prayer corporately and uh, uh, more broadly. Because um, that's what I've seen work for us in Kenya, that, that God speaks through not just me, but through us, through the body. And so uh, we need to be considering as Christian leaders, uh, how can we mobilize our congregations, our loved ones to pray in groups or in somehow in concert together? Yes, which also can be a challenge during a pandemic. It can, it can. Um, but I think we can do it. You know, I, as I look around during the season as well and, and coming as a somewhat cultural outsider into this context, you know, I, I say, okay, God's doing something here. I have no idea why. Mm -hmm. But this looks to me like a fantastic time to start some kind of lab, if I could call it that, within the church, you know, that kind of says, okay, how are we gonna do things differently? Because I, I sincerely believe that God is saying, okay, lockdown, time out, the usual church things I'm taking away from you, you know, go back to the start and figure out how we're going to win this culture for Christ. Mm. And the foundation of that is prayer. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting way to look at it. There are still things we can be doing. Mm -hmm. And you know, by God taking away some of these other things we're so used to, maybe he's pointing us back in that direction. Yeah, yeah that's, I love that. Um, so, you know, you were planning to be back um, in the States at this time. I'm sure you weren't planning for it to look like it does, but what's next for your family? Uh, yeah, we're, um, we're glad to be here. Uh, we needed to be here because of, of the, the term, the length of the term, and, and uh, emotionally we were all ready. But even now, I was, uh, you know, before this interview began, I was talking with a friend in Kenya, and just about, uh, not even really about ministry, but then I thought, wow, uh, I kinda wanna be back there. And uh -huh. this morning, I was, we had a team call, a uh, team video conference call, with my team in Kenya and you know, one of my colleagues was talking about how they've started several different Bible studies amongst some lost women there. And I thought, wow, I, I wanna get back there. So what we're doing now is uh, we are beginning our reporting season for all of our partners in ministry. And that will continue until we, Lord willing, return to Kenya next June. Um, my hope is that we can return and continue establishing some of these disciple-making movements and, 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 and see uh, the Lord move. Mm -hmm. And how can we be praying for your family during this time? Uh, right now, just the transition um, with my kids. They're starting with online schooling at Nora. Uh, and that's not how we planned it to be, it's how it is. We went through this season a few months ago when the first uh, wave hit and it was hard for them. They did better than I thought they would. They did 
better than my worry as a parent assumed that they would. Yeah, and you were <laughs> still in Kenya at the time, yeah, right? Yeah, we were. Okay. We were. Um, and, but my daughter is an extrovert, um, and so it really does hit her when all of her social needs are not being met by her father. <laughs> uh, so that's one prayer, um, that, they, that the kids can, can get into a good rhythm. Another one is that I, um, just to be honest, I, I do feel kind of burnt out. Um, I was doing fairly well at the start of this year. I had a really good plan. You know, my trips planned out to the rural areas for trainings and follow-ups. Uh, and then, of course, COVID hit. and. You know, you flip to being uh, a housekeeper and mm -hmm. a teacher's aide. And, um, and so that emotionally kind of knocked the feet out from under me a bit. And so I would ask for prayers for um, uh, a refilling, uh, a regeneration emotionally. Uh, I wouldn't say fully that I'm, I feel like I'm depressed. I just feel kind of burnt out and tired, which mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are struggling with now. Yes, I think during this pandemic, it's it's something that you're right. A lot of people are probably feeling and just with unexpected roles in this time. It's been tough for yeah. for most people. So thank you for your your openness and honesty about that, and and for everything else you shared today. Really appreciate you being here. Well, I thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I hope you'll join us next week when we speak with John Hansen, who will share about how he's seen God at work in his life.